Hello, and welcome to the Area 831 podcast. I'm your host, Michael Gaither. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Emily Stansel. Before we get into today's episode, please take a moment to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can find us at Area 831 Podcast. That's where you'll be able to check out some of the behind-the-scenes content, as well as find out when our next episode will be dropping. It's also where we can see your feedback about the show. Tell us what you think. Let us know if there's someone you think we should be talking to. Welcome back to the Area 831 Podcast. We have Emily back today as, a, as my co-host. Emily, good to see you. Good to hear you. Good to see you, too. It's been a and while. It has been. We missed you. And lurking in the background, as always, is our producer, Joe Betancourt. Hello, Joe. Hey, Michael. Hi, Emily. Welcome back. Thank you. Hi. And yeah, and uh, our guest this morning, this afternoon, depending on when you're listening to this, is somebody who actually reached out to us, Courtney Laskowicz, who is and Laskowicz. Our guest today is Courtney Laskowicz. I'll repeat it until I get it right. Um, An inventor slash entrepreneur, game designer, a Santa Cruz Nexty Award winner, which is no easy feat, and a podcaster. So we're going to cover all that in the next bit of time or so. So Courtney, welcome to the Area 831 podcast. Thank you so much. I'm super stoked to be here. Great. We're glad to have you. Uh, the most important question, because we were sort of like getting this going, is how did you find us? <laughs> Thank you for reaching out. What channel is working? <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah. So uh, I actually know James Durbin personally. Uh, and gotcha. so uh, as soon as I heard that he was going to be on the podcast, I was looking forward to giving it a listen. And so I did so there. And then I went on your YouTube and I thought, you know what? These guys are kind of cool, you know. Maybe, maybe I should reach out, and so here we are. And with uh, the lo- and you're local, so with the local angle, it, it's brand compliant, and it's it's good to have you. So thanks for taking. James was time. our James was our first uh, guest, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. awesome. I remember we uh, we can say this now. We got he and I because we have some music pals in common. We got in this conversation about his influences, and he talked about Ronnie James Dio. We went on for like 20 minutes. I think afterwards, Emily goes, "I don't think I knew who that was." I go, "Ask." Oh. Yeah, no we, we went we no went like idea. deep. We went deep <laughs> no. nerd. On, we went way way deep nerd on Ronnie James and Dio. But that's what you do in a podcast. It's it's all just eavesdropping on conversational tangents. It's all a podcast is. Dio is incredible. I love Dio myself. I can't tell you how many times I've talked with James Durbin on Dio. So that's awesome that we've got that segment up there. Oh yeah, when I was a kid, I saw him at the Santa Cruz Civic, which was amazing. Love it. But let's talk about you. Uh, first of all, talk about being an inventor and how how did. How did your path lead you to that for starters? Yeah. So I wanted to start a business out of high school. Uh, and so I was looking at a bunch of different colleges, deciding, figuring out what I thought would make sense for getting deeper into business and entrepreneurship. However, I, as I continued to apply, I applied for nine colleges. I got into them all. However, oh. after thinking about nice. all of this, mm. I realized that I really wanted hands-on business help. And so though they had wonderful classes uh, and I can get a degree with these nine colleges, I realized that I wanted more, again, like that hands-on like workshop approach, preferably a mentor of sorts. And so mm-hmm. then I just, I paused and I started looking at other colleges, uh, ignoring all the ones that I just got into uh, to see if I could have like a mentor of sorts along with my education in college. Is there even something that you can get where you get a mentor and a college degree? So a great I, idea. It kind of makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, why not? So I went to Cabrillo College uh, and they have 65 free hours of business help at their small business development center mm. on campus. Yep. And you have to be a student to be able to go to the SBDC and then also uh, partner with SCORE and then get some mentors. And I could not believe that right in my hometown was exactly what I was right looking there. For. Mm-hmm. Yeah. they're great the small business development they're great i've used them too and it's fantastic like the resources they offer it's so great yep we yeah. use them too my wife and i struck <clears throat> excuse me had started a business in town back in um 09 and uh we heard about them from the city planning department and um they put us in touch with someone over there and my wife nor i i mean we both had gone to cabrillo many many years before but um they uh we qualified for some reason for not being active students. And yeah, they were super helpful and connected us with a bunch of resources. That's amazing. And, and the, the nice kudos for Cabrillo College. I went there two years ago before they had that in place, but it's always been a great school. It's oh, and it's just gotten better and better and better and better. 
It's incredible. I'm so lucky and thankful that I was able to to go there and I studied business and I went to my counselor at the time and I said, hey, like there's not like a deep concentration in entrepreneurship at Cabrillo, but there's a, a couple of classes. Could I get business with a concentration in entrepreneurship? And they said, well, I, I'll, I'll go check and see if we can figure it out and have you like minor in entrepreneurship. And of course, she came back and said, we can and we're going to do it. And so, of course, my, you know, I've got uh, three AA degrees and then, yeah, one of them is a, a concentration in entrepreneurship. Nice. Um, I'm curious. So what classes make up a minor in entrepreneurship? So they had a lot of like, they had small business development class. They had like a, a small business advertising class. And then like oh, some of the general like business classes also made up like the, the core classes and then uh, different projects that you could do as well. Like you can like partner with small businesses and then you can use that as part of the classes. And then they use that to kind of vouch for me and see if I could get it. Yeah. So you were like an entrepreneur even going into college. You got to tip it to nine <laughs> colleges. And it sounds like you're like, well, that's great, but I just kind of want to get to work is what it sounded like. You wanted someone to like show you the ropes and dive in and start working. That is exactly correct. I, I knew I, I had a passion for entrepreneurship during high school and I knew I needed to just finish high school and decide what direction I wanted to go with. Do I want to like start a a business with a service or with products? I wasn't really sure exactly what I wanted to do within business and entrepreneurship. And then with knowing that I have these 65 free hours, it kind of lessened the intensity of I need to decide and put all my money in one basket to, oh, I've got help. Oh, no worries. I can just talk to my mentor, figure this out. It's not such a intense, mm -hmm. big mm -hmm. deal right now. I can just, I have an expert that I can spend some slow time with and dissect it all. And I did start a, a business at the time called Snappable, And it was a jewelry business where I imported various jewelry and I did that for gosh now I want to say maybe seven or eight years wow. and I, I learned so much that was about right away wow. yeah yeah <laughs> I, well, I that's really kind of the, it. yeah that's kind of the beauty I think of community college is like if you go to a four-year university you there's money involved and you you kind of want to have a goal and a yeah but if community college you can kind of bounce you got some room to kind of bounce around a little bit and try different things and that's kind of what you did Agreed. And I was able to use that money as well to go into the business instead of into debt. Uh, that definitely helped <laughs> <Yes>. a lot. <laughs> this is not an uncommon story, unfortunately. So, so you went you so you went from you started with products then. You were thinking products or re, or products or retail or something online or maybe tech. So you started with just importing products and reselling or marketing. Correct. So yeah. I, I, I started there. I, I talked with a uh, shout out to Keith Holtaway, um, with one of my mentors at the time. And yeah, he's great. Love Keith. He's awesome, great personality, just a really kind soul as well. And it just, we hit it off. It worked really well. Uh, and so, Wonderful. yeah, so I talked with him about like a service or a product. What am I doing here? Like, I know nothing. Keith, please help me. And so we talked about the difference. And I started just, he, he recommended, you know, if this is your first thing you're stepping into, when you look at inventory, he found that it was really important to, one, not spend an insane amount of money on inventory. Sure. Um, just slowly start up and see do you even like this uh, but also trying to pick a product that was small enough so if I did really enjoy this I didn't have to like go into creating a warehouse or reconstruct my house to be able to hold all this inventory so we talked about how small can I go and how much inventory can I get to fit into a small space and then jewelry was just I found this little niche that seemed to work really well in the U.S. that was much more popular in other countries but wasn't this big thing over here so I thought I could slowly kind of bring it in and see how I liked it and also use it more as a catalyst to be able to learn business from. So I had much more experience when I ended up doing something like I'm doing now that I'm really passionate about. Yeah, and you about. learned marketing and learning. And something I think anybody who's even like casually sold anything on that, whether it's eBay or you want something that's easily shippable. Yeah. Right. And, you did and so you said that um, business is still active. You said it's been like seven or eight years with that. That's so. Actually, last year, I decided to let it go. Um, I am still selling at various like craft fairs and antique fairs and slowly removing inventory. Um, okay. But uh, I'm not buying anymore. And 
it really served its purpose uh, to get into it, learn quickly, make all the mistakes with it, and then become a, a much better business person uh, sure. through it. Um, but, it's a smart yeah. way to start. Yeah. So what, yeah. So where do you think your entrepreneurial spirit comes from? I will have to give because you, you went into college with that, with kind of driven with that in mind. It wasn't just sort of, oh, maybe I'll do that. It was obviously something that was percolating in the back for a long time. It's true. I, I will have to give an insane amount of credit to my parents because they homeschooled me. Hmm. Homeschooling is incredible. It is absolutely incredible. I am so honored and lucky to be able to have parents who are able to do that while they worked. Um, I was also a part of a charter school where you go in, it's like a homeschool charter school, PCC, yes. Mm -hmm. So I would go to like two classes a week um, and then I would do most of the the core learning, like history, the English, the math, for the most part, at home with books and projects uh, at home. And then the classes I went to were more niche, like maybe I'd take like an art or like a ceramics class, or I'd take like a more intense math over there. And so I would be going a little bit back and forth uh, from mm -hmm. PCS to home. Uh, but for the most part, it was at home. And what was unique that I felt about it and being able to be homeschooled for most of my education, except high school, I went to Aptos High, was mainly that when they found that myself or my brother had a passion for something in particular, they would surround all of my education in that, that you know, fourth grade, fifth grade, what have you, to whatever that passion was. So they constantly were pushing like, oh, you you like business or oh, you like like my brother loved roller coasters. So all of his projects were on roller coasters. He learned math through roller coasters. He learned science through roller coasters. So Smart. they were able to, to push that passion up and not not like, OK, I know you want to play with that. But like, oh, that's cute. But let, let's look at this thing instead. Right. Correct. They they <laughs> wanted to make sure that I had the ability to understand what passion is and that it's a positive thing as well as to utilize it and unwrap it in my life not as a separate thing of you're not going to make money with this so here's a hobby but you know you can actually yeah, be yeah. successful with this at a young right. age and that of course turned into passion and love for what i do and now i'm that's here great. yeah that's awesome yeah the hob the hobby term always bugged me you know it's like agreed and there, there's there's being pragmatic about it too but of course you know. Yeah, exactly. The time for it. Yeah. What what companies? What company or companies do you have now? What are you doing? So you moved off. You're selling off your. You're slowly selling off your jewelry stock. What are you doing these days? So a couple things. Uh, there's two main. I would hate to use the term jobs because they are my passions and I, I love them very much. Um, but it's my what two... you do. It's it's a thing you do. That's what I like to call it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's what I do. So I've got two things. One is I uh, work at a company called InventRight where we uh, take uh, various students who come in, we call them students, though most of uh, the people that I coach are between, uh, I'd say probably 40 to 60 years old. Mm -hmm. These are inventors, essentially, though we call uh, them product developers in our industry. And so I am a product development or product licensing coach. And then I help people go through learning product licensing, which is a niche in uh, instead of venturing, venturing, starting a business, instead of doing that, you can do what's called product licensing, where you're basically renting your product idea from your brain to a company, to a massive, you know, Hasbro, Mattel, the, the largest companies in the world, Conair. Uh, and then they're, they will look at this, what's called a, a sell sheet, which is like a one page PDF. Mm -hmm. And they look at it, this idea that you have, and so we have 10 steps. Yeah. It is a pitch. Yep. You do the market research, you create the sell sheet, you you potentially have a provisional patent application, you show the concept. And if they're like, we like this, yeah. then you'll go ahead and enter a licensing agreement. They make it, they manufacture it completely, they distribute it, and then you collect a small royalty from it um, right there uh, where you'd get a passive income, um, usually either per month or per quarter. Uh, and then you move on to the next idea. Uh, so I teach that at InventRight as a coach, and then I do it. Of course, all of the coaches are are doing it as well. So it's it's the same thing on both, both sides of it. I coach it, and then I license my own products. Yeah, I've never heard the term, but it, it's kind of it makes it's sort of like loaning out your patent, but keeping the or it's like if you write a song and you and you sync like you get a sync license for a TV show, you still own the song, but someone pays you to use it. It's kind of analogous to that. 
Correct. Yes. It's it's like music licensing. And for some reason, it's it's such a small niche in the business industry. Very, very few people know about it. And it's really unfortunate because it's, it's an incredible way to make a stream of passive income through your creativity from problems that you're solving in your everyday life from your head to paper to the company. And you're not even giving it to them. You get to, to keep the idea. You're just renting it. And when the contract's done for three mm -hmm. to five years, you get it back and you get to send it out again to other companies making more money from um, it. And passive it. income and passive income is the goal, right? That's correct. Yeah. Well, and I imagine like, you know, going a few decades back, if you had an idea, you would like make a prototype and you would spend money and you would try to try to market it. This is like by bypassing all that. And Mattel might want this thing that one of your students has developed and they do it for five, 10 years and they go, okay, we're done. They get it back. That so is, you, yeah. you get the beauty of having your idea in the marketplace, make some money, but you're not putting out a lot of cash in advance and ending up with a garage full of prototypes. That is correct. It's very, very uh, affordable, cheap even. I don't know how many, you know, once you learn the, the 10 steps, then you can go through it again and again. In some industries, you don't necessarily need intellectual property. Uh, so you already don't have to pay for that. And then knowing how to do your own market research, do your own patent searching by yourself, you become so much more professional and not have to rely on other people where mm -hmm. it's it's very time easy. It's very, you know, in a time hungry world, like it's not an insane amount of time that you need to devote to it. And then it's also, you know, not heavily money dependent as well. So you've got a lot of freedom with being able to utilize your creativity for some of the largest companies in the world. Wow. What would you say the average, like the batting average is from, I have an idea for, to make an existing product better, you know, and you could apply that to like a million different things, right? And then go to those manufacturers or those companies that are produced like a Hasbro. Mm -hmm. Like what are, you know, in your experience, like, is it like one in 20, uh, one in a hundred, you know, like just kind of like, what's the realistic average you know, that that you've seen in terms of going through the process, doing your pitch and landing it? Yeah, great question. And it's a hard question to answer because it's a little bit of a myth in the industry in that it must be the sell sheet that gets you the deal. It must be the product. And, and in a way, you know, of course, you are getting a deal with the product, with the sell sheet, like they are looking at it. But the industry is so heavily reliant on relationships. And that is... It is really everything. There's so many products that we've seen go through the process, like just my students that I'm coaching, and they have a really good product. They have a really good sell sheet. They have the proper scripts. They have the proper companies. They're good to go. And then they start pitching, and their soft skills are not there at all. The, the person isn't is not confident in it. They get on the call. They don't know their product very well. They don't have discipline. They don't have grit. They don't have the proper perspective and so all of that together is the number one reason why inventors don't get licensing deals because they're not following up with the company. You know, it's it's not the hard skills that that get them there. It's the long term soft skills that make them successful. And so before answering that, I'll say, number one, a lot of people in the industry believe that the hard skills, the actual things that you're doing, like the actual product, the, the testing, the IP, all of that, that must be how you get a deal, right? Like that's like it's in your head and then you like learn these steps and then you do it like that's how you get a deal. And yes, th there is a, a, a decent amount of importance in the hard skills. Absolutely. Your product matters. But your soft skills matter so much more, especially if you're playing the long game in the product licensing industry. You really do want to create really good, solid foundational relationships with these companies, because if you want to make this a career or you want to do this for more than one product idea, you really do want to come back to this company again and pitch more ideas, learn more about them, ask for a wish list, keep going. And that opportunity of getting a deal is far higher because you now have this great relationship with this company, you're almost like a free independent contractor, if you will, you're, you know, again, working with them for free until you get that deal. And then you can get licensing deals. So and you exactly much are free. You exactly are. Uh, exactly. This is so yeah, analogous. Yeah. This is so analogous to music, but it's like, um, you know, somebody has a product idea and they, it's like, that's where, that's where they're, that's where enthusiasm, they're, not to overuse passion. That's where they're enthusiastic. I had this great idea. I've done this and, and they, they, they pitch it, right? But their enthusiasm is, is back where the product idea or the, the thing or the improvement was like music. 
I made a great CD. Everybody around me likes it. Yeah. So there's like 80,000 people making CDs. You, there's a there's a whole nother piece that you really didn't concentrate on because you were focused on the thing you were creating. Right. And that's where it's, you come in. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's very hard to be looking at the long-term goal because you start with one product and you're so passionate about the product. In fact, in our industry, we call it your baby. Like, oh, is this product your baby? Is this, are you really passionate about it? Are you an inventor or are you a serial inventor? You got to figure out your goal first and foremost mm -hmm. before you start going forward. Right. Then based on that, you can decide what you want to do at that time. But the hard part is usually going back to the original question, the deal usually happens right after you want to give up. And that's what's really unfortunate because you're, you're digging for the gold, that analogy of like, oh, the gold must be here. And then you're like, oh, you know, I, I've been working for two years and I'm, my hands are tired and I just, I'm not going to do it anymore. It's, 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 I'm tired. And then someone else buys the land and then they just have one shovel full and there is all of the gold of millions and millions of dollars. One light right rain there. and it washes away and there it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You yeah. need an insane amount of grit to be able to be successful in it. It took me two years and 81 no's, 81 rejections to be able to get my first contract. But what's so cool about this is you never know what the journey is going to entail when you start. And so when I originally pitched this company, it was about the 50th company that I pitched to, Dormco. And I pitched to them and they're like, oh, this is a really cool product, but we are done looking at products right now. Contact us back in six months. And so I'm like, six months, like, I'm going to hope I have my licensing deal at that point. Like, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Um, you know, I'll talk to you maybe one day again. Of course, all those six months went off and I did not have a deal. I went back to the company. I said, hey, is, is now a better time? What are your thoughts? And they're like, yeah, we, we love the product. Let's get Perfect. on a call. Because I got you're stuck with it. Whenever, exactly. I, whenever, whenever I get like a, whether it's, again, I'm not harping on music, but like, Maybe, you know, come, come back to us. So I, I mark my calendar. Okay, contact the, this place Same. in March. And then it pops up when you do it. Right, You just keep it going. Yeah. Yeah, I'm it, sorry, it, what was the product? Sorry, did you, maybe I no, missed Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's called the Keyboard Desk. Um, This was the first product that I licensed. It's uh, a desk that actually goes over your keyboard. Uh, So it's doubling your workspace, basically. So you have this desk and you, you can't see my keys, but you place it over it. And then if you're doing, this is for college students. So if you like want to uh, eat at your desk and you want to have your plate or your your cup here available, um, you won't be messing with any of your keys under your keyboard. Or if you're doing like an art project and you need to be able to draw, you won't mess up your paper on your keys and move them out of the way. It's just creating that extra uh, space on your desk. It's simple and brilliant. Mm -hmm. <laughs> very practical. Yeah. Very, very simple. The most simple ideas get uh, licensed um, uh, just in our industry. And that's why my um, leading licensor, um, basically in the world, uh, wrote this book. One simple idea, ironically, exactly what we're talking about here, mm -hmm. one simple idea is really how you be successful in the industry. But going back to those relationships, what's interesting is I pitched the keyboard desk to the company. They liked it. But then Jeff said, do you have any more concepts? And I said, of course, I would love to send more over to you before you know the contract signs. Like, mm -hmm. let's see if you have any others and then we'll sign a bunch in. And so I got off that call and I'm like, I have no ideas in this space. Like originally it was for the office space. Like this, mm -hmm. I tried a bunch of different categories. This is the dorm space. I went to Cabrillo. I've never set foot in a dorm in my <laughs> life. What am I doing here? <laughs> so I did a lot of market research. I took a lot of time to think about it. And of course I come up with maybe 15 or 20 so product ideas. I pitched it to him and he liked three others. So two years, nice. 81 knows. And four products in my first contract <laughs> never would have expected that. And again, like you don't know what's going to happen as long as you keep going, you have that grit, you have that belief that you will get a deal. You will get it. Exactly. It, it is. Yeah. That's pretty cool. It's, it's making me think about when I was in elementary school, um, a few years in a row, they would have us come up with inventions. And I don't know why that that's not something that they continue to do throughout all of school. But I remember, you know, there's so many kids, parents who would do the projects for them. And I had, yeah. I'll just share two, the only two I can remember. 
Um, so one of my chores growing up was to walk the dog and I was a total bookworm. So I always, I was always reading I never wanted to put my book down. And so I wanted to come up with a way that you could read your book while you're still walking the dog. And of course, this is before like Kindles and, you know, smartphones and stuff. So I literally made like a tray that had a string attached to each side. So it could like hook around my neck. And then the book could just sit there and I could still lock the dog and just flip one page at a time. Um, and then the next exactly. year, it, it had to do with a remote. And I don't remember, I think this was like, if you've lost the remote to the TV and you don't want to have to get up, walk to the TV to change the channel or adjust the volume. So it was very simple. It was just a dowel stick that was long enough from the couch to the TV. And I remember thinking, this is genius. It's so simple. And then I get to school and some kids had invented like their own soda machine, you know, like, like a vending machine. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think that any fourth <laughs> grader was coming up with that. Right. Like at least my idea That's was funny. original, <laughs> but I wish that they, I wish that they kept having us do that, you know, like throughout middle school and high school, because it's just such a great way to keep people's brains active in like a different sense. So I don't know. Yeah. That's just my about, thoughts that have been coming up in this conversation. Yeah. Talk about encouraging creativity. Just keep it, you know, starting young, keep it going. Yeah. And there's a lot of invention conventions now throughout the States. Luckily it's, it, it does drop off at um, depending on what club you're in, depends on what grade that they don't continue it, which is of course very unfortunate, but there are some that do a K through 12, including high school going wow. through invention conventions. And there's, it's, it's incredible. One of them is by the Henry Ford foundation. Um, and the invention convention is yeah underneath that. And, it's an amazing uh, educational resource where people can virtually pitch online. So if you have a child who just, there's no invention convention in your area, you can do it virtually and be oh, able wow. to still partake in that with oh, your wonderful. kids. Wonderful. Yeah. Looking over that, some of the things you've, you've done and been doing, we have an inventor entrepreneur. You need to add teacher to that too, because with the um, invent, right, you're also a teacher. You've been doing that for a while. Could you share, have you, have some of your students had success and could you share some of those? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm actually going to completely flip that question on its head because I Go think this it. might be be creative a with more it. Interesting. Yeah, that's what you do. <laughs> so a lot of people come in for getting a licensing deal. Like they learn the ten steps. That's why they're here. They pay for the. It's like a, an educational. It's almost like a college in a way. It's an educational program. You learn it. We want you to be self sufficient. You. We eventually want you to leave event right completely. Be fully successful. Not only if you need help, like a fitness coach or I do a lot of martial arts myself. So doing having like a, a boxing coach. Like you don't ditch your boxing coach when you're in the ring when you're competing. Like you you don't like train. Like okay. I'm good. Sign our coach. Like mm -hmm. I'm going to go in the ring. Like, no, you need that coach, especially when you're in that ring, when they're holding the water bottle, they're holding your, your mouth guard in, in between, you know, rounds. Like it's coaches are very important in the moment when you're pitching. And so a lot of the pitches that we do with my students are uh, email pitches for the most part, LinkedIn pitches we do mm -hmm. to try to find the right person. And then you can get on the, the phone, do video calls and whatnot. And so People come in to learn licensing and pitching, but they end up having so much personal growth as mm. a person. It's incredible to see people from all walks of life. I mean, blue collar, white collar, super rich, super poor, international students, and in a large variety of different people come in wanting this this one thing, which we are, you know, that is our goal. Like it's it's a it's a long term goal. We're going to be creating those hard skills but it's incredible to see this is why i think this is the biggest reason why people should even consider product licensing is just for the personal growth aspect yes licensing deal is the goal hands down absolutely being successful in in the industry and, and in your career in product licensing really important but i think even more important the reason that they don't come but the reason that they stay is because the relationships in their lives are so much stronger they're arguing less they're, they're saying kinder things they have so much more soft skills in their arsenal to be able to take yes in product licensing but just for them as a person to leave the program being a, a better human to me that is the the ultimate most incredible goal that i never thought that could come out of learning a business you know a tactic or a yeah way of doing business 
from one end of, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't have like grit. Like what is grit? Like, okay, Courtney, I'm going to get some grit. Like, here we go. Like, <laughs> and then they leave and they're like, Courtney, I have grit now. Like I know what it means and I can do other projects and I can actually be successful and trust myself and actually being able to accomplish the project. Wow. Everything to me. Well, it's taken the, all those skills and they have soft skills and grit. You, you know, it's, it's a great word. I never use, I never hear that word anymore. Um, it, it, it applies to so many things. It's not just about trying to sell what you came up with. It's about just how you approach everything that you do. Agreed. And what I personally think is unfortunate is I feel like this day and age, uh, I'm a little bit concerned that there's a crisis around a lack of discipline that that we have. And so I, I looked up like, what is the actual definition of discipline? And it comes down to doing something that you're passionate about and uh, see the long-term goal for, but you don't actually want to make those small, immediate steps. You you need that discipline in that moment to do something that in the moment you don't want to do. So you have to push yourself to do it for the, the greater good, if you will, the greater good of your goal. And so a lot of people think that, well, I'm just not motivated. Like, oh, well, no, I, I can't do this, these action items, this homework that you assigned to me, coach, for this week because I just wasn't motivated this week. And motivation is very fleeting. It's 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 constantly going up and going down. It's very unreliable. It's it's far more emotional than rational. Mm-hmm. But when you have and create and cultivate habits to help you with your own discipline and understanding what that means at the core, if you have discipline, you don't need to rely on motivation. You will be hands down. You will be successful because you're making the steps necessary to hit that long term goal because you're not you know, nervous or, or, or afraid to, or just don't feel like you want to hit those short-term goals, you will, because you know, I want to get a deal. I have to do this. I have to make movement, whether I want to or not. And discipline is a really, really hard thing to learn and understand and make sure that you're able to successfully do in times when you don't feel like it. And I can't tell you how many times I've had a student come up to me and say, so I wasn't motivated, Courtney, and I'm disciplined, but I just can't get myself to do it. You are not disciplined. I, I would love to say that like you you have it, but that is where the beauty of discipline comes in is you can do it when you don't feel like it. And I would say a good 99% of my students, I'd love to say 100%, really struggle with understanding the power of discipline and especially coming in they don't have it and so for my just group of students that I have it's really alarming to me as an individual in the world of okay if this is some bit of the population who really struggles with discipline of accomplishing things towards a greater goal how many other people in the world are really struggling with long-term goals in general because they're not making the steps that they need to move forward for the long-term goal because they lack that discipline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do wonder when you're going to add life coach to your to your to your titles too. <laughs> it's exactly what you're doing. Oh, uh, that's it. wonderful. Um so you won a Santa Cruz next year. Was that back in 2015 roughly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think maybe yeah, 2014, 2015. Yeah. Talk about that. Talk Actually, tell our audience what a Santa Cruz Nexty Award is. It's a big deal. Yeah, so Santa Cruz Nexties, um, originally, uh, for starters, I got into it through, of course, Matthew Swinnerton. And he yeah, had... He's the, a good guy. Yeah, He is. He's, he's awesome. Uh, he had a, a bunch of, like, event Santa Cruz events. Uh, and so this was a little bit towards the beginning of the Nexties Awards. And for uh, my division, they started it for the, this year, Um for it was an inaugural youth division um, uh, that they were starting at 18 or under. I was 18 at the time, so maybe they they said 18 or under because of that. Uh, But I won it through um, the event Santa Cruz event where they had a bunch of youth uh, talk about a a variety of of things with a potential option to be able to win a Nexties award. Um, And it's, it's kind of, there's a lot of different categories. Like there's like a culinary there's like a author of the year um there's yeah best business uh Mm -hmm. best artist and so it's kind of like the in my viewpoint it's like the oscars of santa cruz of like local santa cruzians um Mm -hmm. winning various awards um and uh 
shining a light on our community and offering recognition for their accomplishments in the community. Ironically, I met James Durbin actually at that show mm, um, okay. all the way back then. Um, yeah. And so, uh, yeah, so I, I went through the event Santa Cruz uh, event. I, I spoke on for that event to potentially have an opportunity to win an XD award. I talked about entrepreneurship in business and American Sign Language. I did part of my speech in ASL, um, more inclusivity and also make it very... Um, I'd say experiential, my, my speaking at the time, it was the very beginning of like, I kind of want to go into speaking. Like, how do I do this? Like, what can I like make it more like interesting? Can I, what can I do with my body language? And I knew ASL um, at the time and I, I do now. Um, so I went ahead and I, I incorporated that yeah. into it. Yeah. And then, yeah, people saw it and then they, people vote for the best whatever for each category. And people voted for me to to win the the, the youth division uh, for entrepreneurship um, at that that's time. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. So what are you working on these days besides teaching? Or what can you talk about you working on these days? Yes, I, I can, um, of course. So, uh, of course, within the product licensing area, I'm getting deeper into the pet industry, a little bit deeper into the packaging industry as well, and games the game industry, the toys and game industry in particular, is incredible. There is so much rich content and really, really good people. I thought the toy and game industry was, you know, a, a decently large size industry within product licensing. I had my scope so off. It is a massive, massive industry just within inventors going around and learning product licensing and going ahead and pitching to companies. It is the oldest, the, the absolute longest industry within product licensing that has had the most inventors start up in that area. And then it really? branched out to like kitchen items and you know, hardware and automotive but it started at the core of toy and games. I didn't know that coming in. I'm seven years into this, and this is the first year where I'm like, wait, hmm. this is the oldest industry toys and games, and is this huge? So I'm very slowly stepping into it. It's very overwhelming. It's it's incredible. I mean, the the people in this industry really, really care about what they do. Like, there's no NPCs. There's no nine to five. I mean, I'm sure there are a couple, you know, nine to fivers, but uh, people are really, really passionate about their job and it really shows the the products that they come out with how you interface with them the relationships that you can build amazing so i'm very gravitated towards having really strong relationships with the industry so i'm working on a couple games uh i have a nice. space game that i'm i've been pitching around for a couple months that i'm excited oh. about um and I, you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes. I'm slowly creeping into the industry, you know, bit by bit. It's it's so massive. Uh, but I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what the game space really is made of and what I can do with my products, uh, as well as going deeper into uh, considering uh, artificial intelligence and augmented reality, for that matter, for whatever industry, because product licensing is such a uh, young industry, like just in the grand scheme of like, other industries in the world, like the culinary industry, you know, like different, like the automotive industry, because product licensing is such a young industry still, there's so many different opportunities that have not been taken because it's just so at its beginnings. Or no so one's thought of it yet, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I've done a couple webinars recently in, in augmented reality uh, about a year ago. And then maybe six months ago, I did one on AI and how we can utilize it as inventors, as product developers in our industry. Uh, it, it's it's really cool to be able to capitalize on those opportunities because they're they're just so new. And I'm it's awesome to be able to continue to push up the product licensing industry more and more and be able to have these opportunities more available to people to to try and experiment with and see what works and what doesn't and, and grow as a entire industry together that's wonderful wow yeah. so like you're so talking you were talking about game you're working on a game is it a board game is it a video game it is a card game oh card um, game okay yeah and there's a bunch of different um i roped a little bit of um humor into it so it's a it's a party and strategy uh, card game involving uh, space and some unique characters that you normally wouldn't find in space. How fun. 
Um, yeah, I was going to ask too, are we talking about video games or, or talk about toys and games, physical, like physical or video, but I love the card game idea. But one of our, one of my local friends that we're going to have on the podcast, it's a, is a cartoonist and a, and a, and a designer. And he's done a couple of card games. He's done a, a couple of Halloween games. He's, he doesn't send out Christmas cards. He sends out Halloween things he puts together for his friends. Incredible. Yeah. This year was a book of poems last year. It was a, anyway, he's probably going to patent. I'm not going to say anything. Anyway, it's, it's <laughs> fun. It's physical, physical things you can play with. I think is a really cool, interesting thing to talk about and learn about. Agreed. And interesting in, in this coming up just now in 2023 and potentially in 2024, there's been a trend towards kids growing up to spend more time in what's called classic play, which is very, very simple things. So instead of like very high tech electronic items and like a my first phone and all those, there's a gravitate towards like building blocks and marble runs and dolls and very, very simple like Montessori type play. That's it's very encouraging. Yeah, yeah it's is. very cool to I see like to that. hear that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, before we run out of time, let's give a podcast. Let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so I have. It's called the Serial Inventing Podcast. Love my my own personal niche, of course. As I was mentioning, like you can be an inventor or more of a serial inventor. I love the whole serial inventing aspect. You can become a a pro much quicker with various different tactics when you have a lot of ideas within serial inventing versus just inventing one product, getting a license, next product, getting a license. So I realized that there's a, not a lot of material and information for people who want to consider getting into serial inventing. And so, of course, I'm I'm passionate in this you know very niche of a niche in product licensing, serial inventing. And I wanted to be able to create some of that information for people who are and are so all are not in InventRight to be able to learn some of that material and think, do I want to do this? Is this, could I find a passion in this or is this not something of interest? I started about uh, a year ago um, on my birthday in July um, and I wanted to make it a little bit timeless so i didn't really want to talk about uh trends um or fads smart. That were... yeah yeah, yeah it's smart i i started originally talking about topics of like my journey and then going through like various industries of like you know like the pet the automotive like talking about them and very very quickly it was probably maybe the third episode i've got i think 37 episodes now mm -hmm. and it's by it's bi-monthly so it's uh, once every two weeks and very, very quickly, it transformed really fast from talking about the hard skills, of, of course, in the different industries. Right at the get-go, I started talking about peak performance and discipline and all of those soft skills and the entire podcast. All now. the things you've been talking about with your with your students. Exactly. Yeah. Right. And it wasn't what I was that wasn't the plan. It just very, very naturally transformed into that. And what I didn't know at the time is that because of that switch. This podcast is now getting views from people who have no idea what product licensing is, are not even interested in the business world, but they're gaining knowledge about soft skills. And this, you know, the podcast is, yes, about product licensing with an emphasis on talking about soft skills, but other people coming in not familiar with the industry are like, wow, this is a podcast about soft skills and peak performance and like motivation and discipline and all that stuff. And oh yeah, she talks about product licensing, but I'm here for the soft skills. It kind of flipped in a way, which mm -hmm. is cool for an opportunity, at least for a, a broader audience. It's going, it's, it's going into your lifestyle coach next career. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think you're right. I think people that have, I, everybody, everybody's had an idea for something and that's, that's, True. that's, that's wonderful. But I think, what do you do with it? And that's the piece you're kind of like filling in a little bit. What do you do? How do you get this out there? And talking about, you know, not who you know, but it's just like, you know, some grit and knowing knowing when to like when I was writing for the paper the first time through, I'm doing it again, Sentinel. Um, I was submitting articles and the editor at the time said, these are really good, but I get I get these all the time. But keep in touch. And I, I said, I, I told him, I said, or I asked, I said, how often can I can I keep in touch without being a pain in the ass? He goes, oh. Um, write me like every month and a half. I'm like, all right, you know. So it's knowing, you know, knowing when to like push a little bit or just keep reminding them that you're out there, but not doing it too much where they start ignoring you. But that's yeah, part of the, that's part of those skills too. Agreed completely. We are really heavy in talking about follow ups. In fact, we have a saying that is the fortune is in the follow up. 
it mm-hmm. is everything. And, and in our industry, usually it's about every seven days we recommend following up with a company. Um, it, you know, it, it depends a little bit where you are, if they've seen your product or not, if you're just trying to get into the company. But every seven days, uh, it's amazing how many people in their just everyday lives and their emails like oh yeah i gotta respond to that inventor like great i'll do it after lunch and then lunch happens they forget and then mm-hmm. you know they just move on and then you know a couple days later they forget we exist and then we're like hey just just wanted to check in and they're like oh yeah i forgot about you i'm mm-hmm. so sorry like it's really helpful to get those follow-ups and hopefully we're less of a persistent pest and more of a, a helpful reminder to mm-hmm. them to <laughs> exactly. like if you're not interested yeah. like they know it's okay, but well, right. when everybody gets a bazillion emails, it's hard to keep up with everything. It is. And I think your 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 story about the the keyboard desk, it's like, okay, I'll I'll check back in March. Okay. And then you came back with like more ideas and they were ready for it. Yeah. I think if I hadn't. Yeah. If I hadn't done that, wouldn't have got a deal. I've got six concepts with them now over the years uh, that they're are out there. But if I stopped, just think if I stopped at the 20th no or the 30th or God right. forbid the 80th no, not 81. Like <laughs> Yeah. Where grit, would I be? Yeah, grit and good ideas. Yeah, follow there you up. Go. Yeah, yeah. Motivation and discipline. So yep. I think you've answered it. Um, and this really, this is really fun, but any advice for people who might have a product idea or might just want to work on some of these other skills you're talking, I think we've covered it, but and to, to like summarize. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'd say that the biggest thing that I could give is start, just start in any capacity. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to where they have great projects, great ideas. And like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to get to it. They use all of this language of like one day. And if, if I quit my job, when my kids are out of the house, like it's always a, one of these days, one of these days, I feel like you're spying on me. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) I I use all of those excuses myself. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard. It's starting is the absolute hardest part. And ironically, it comes back to habits as well. Creating those habits, starting is the hardest thing to do. It just, once you sit down, you can do it. Like once you're like, okay, like I'm going to just, I'm going to begrudgingly like, let's just say I started here. I'm just going to pretend I'm going to sit down on this chair and I'm going to just try starting. And you like fake your brain into starting something. You could sit there for five hours and it's not a problem. You love it. You enjoy it. But starting it, starting it, the whole other feat in, in habit talk. It's important to make something too small to not fail. So if you're going to run outside, then why don't you just put your shoes outside? Just just, just leave your, you're not going to run. You're just going to put your shoes out there and then just do that for, you know, a week, two weeks, three weeks. Maybe one day you'll run, but maybe not. That's okay. You're just putting your shoes out. Okay. Once you put your shoes out there, now you're going to put your shoes on. You're going to sit out there for 30 seconds and you're going to take them off and you're going to go about your day. At the end of the year, you're going to be running a marathon because you have then had that habit formed. And yeah. it's it's just starting. Is, it's is taking a like giant. That. It's like it's like basic project manager. Take a giant task, break it in little pieces. And then the, the things you're talking about, those all become muscle memory. You just start doing them. Yeah. I actually exactly. use that, the shoe thing for my actual running because I'm a runner. And for me, if I don't feel motivated to do it, I all I have to do is just put the clothes on, put the shoes on, and then I'll do it. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> on the days that I really don't want to do it, but know that I should and I'll feel better. I'm like, just put the damn shoes on. <laughs> you have discipline. There you go. <laughs> so Courtney, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, we know we, we can find you um, locally at Event Right, but how do people find your podcast? Just re- recite how people find you. Yeah, so uh, I've got a website. You can use my my name, CourtneyLaskowitch.com, but I assume that no one can spell my last name, so I don't rely on <laughs> the proper spelling of that. So if you just typed in the SerialInventingPodcast.com, you'll be able to find it that way. Uh, also, part of my website, you can check out various products uh, that I have licensed, as well as if you ever wanted to get in touch with me about product creation. My company is Starflyer Ideas, so Star starflyerideas.com, which also will take you to the same website, three URLs for the same things. If you remember one of them, that's good. I'm also really, really, really active on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is a really big part of our industry. So if anyone mm. were to ever say like, hey, like saw you on the podcast or hey, like nice to meet you. Like I'm going to connect. I'm going to I'm going to talk with you. Networking is really important. And I'm, I feel like it makes social media far less empty and more of an actual mm-hmm. community of what its real purpose. Yeah, I when, it's, when, it's, when it's genuine, LinkedIn is good for that. It's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So those are the, the, the two best ways to reach out to me. 
I'll reach out there too. Um, uh, Joe, Emily, any last thoughts, questions? This was really fun. I'm glad, I'm glad you contacted us, Courtney. Uh, I do. Very informative. Too. I do. I do have a question, actually. Um, so for the the coursework you took at Cabrillo, um, for folks who are interested, I mean, are these classes still available? Is the program still available through Cabrillo? And are they in person, remote, or optional? Um, just curious about, like, if you could do a little plug about the program. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can only assume that they're still up and running. I don't know why they would not be. All the classes that, that I took, I'm pretty sure, are still there. I recently talked to someone about that, of getting into business and, and going to Cabrillo. So I'm I'm about maybe 90% sure that those classes um, are absolutely still there. Small Business Development Center is still there, up, up and running. Really, really helpful. Would highly recommend to talk to them first and see if SCORE is best for you to get a mentor there. Uh, they're, they're very helpful if just going to Cabrillo and just walking right on campus, right directly to that SBDC and, and just saying what you need help with, what are your free resources. They also have a lot of great workshops that I've done that are paid that you can go and just pay a uh, uh, pretty like low price, like a, the 30 to the $60 range of learning about like a business plan or just starting a business, what you should consider. And those are, are constantly ongoing. I think it's maybe like six a year or so. And I'd really encourage anyone who's even considering doing anything business related to just go to those events because you get to know a lot of the local community as well of other people like-minded you can create really great partnerships with people in that workshop as well and immediately you have an expert of the teacher who's you know in this one two hour workshop and you get to ask really good questions to them as well that all goes back to relationships as well there you go yeah, yeah. especially i mean people talking to those people in person these days in these days of social networking is really important too you know, especially when you're trying to like make something happen and work. Exactly. It's almost like you're, uh, we use a, a lot of house analogies often. And so we, we kind of say like, it's kind of like you're holding up a gigantic billboard in front of your house of like, Hey, like I'm here. I'm, I'm a person. Like, I'd love to talk with you guys. Like, I'd love to like, yeah, mingle and be able to network and see how I can help you. We really are passionate in our industry of not selling our concepts as one perspective, but the other perspective being we want to help your company be successful. And we're going to work for you for free until or if there's a concept <laughs> of interest. And if there isn't, okay, then we'll either keep trying or let us know that it's not worth it and we won't. But we're here to help you make your company successful. And in, in just that perspective shift really helps us understand what our goal is and also feel less salesy as well as really understand why we're here. Why, why do we even care about this industry, our products, the companies? It's for them to help them be successful and want to continue to utilize our creativity for the company. Uh, it's, it's much more rewarding when you look at it in that perspective. Wonderful. Well, Courtney, thank you for your time. Uh, we'll get this up and send some links out and uh, keep in touch. Let us know what you're up to. Absolutely. Such an honor to be on here. And it's so wonderful to meet you all. So nice to meet you. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us. Well, as always, a fascinating conversation with somebody really cool. Courtney, thank you for your time. And for you out there listening, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Area 831 podcast. Do check out uh, what Courtney's up to. And if you have a product idea, look her up, check out her podcast and keep following us.